so much for doing this, by the way, Professor. It's my pleasure, guys. Thank you very much for um, putting this together. I, I know you guys uh, uh, shared a great deal of struggle over there with the pandemic, like, I mean, with the lockdowns being extended for so long, and that's why I want to do this. You know, I want to help any, any way I can, all the great by schools. So you guys asked us, hey, man, I, I got to make some time for these guys and support them. You know, I, I I know what you guys been through. For sure, yeah. Uh, I, I, what's the situation over in Chicago? Are you guys back to training or what's the situation? The school really has been open since uh, June of last year. But okay. uh, yeah, but we had like uh, endless restrictions. So for a whole month, we could only do solo drills. And then uh, after we did a whole month of just uh, light contact drills, and then for a whole month, the third month, like around sep September, from September to October, we did one partner sparring. And then after that, a bubble of three, a bubble of four, a bubble of six, a bubble of 10. And then <laughs> a long we, journey then. Yeah, we have groups, but uh, man, I I guess my school is, the schools that, I, that I'm behind actually, because my students, they're, Guys are awesome. They're really disciplined and they're very focused on what the, on the on the bigger picture. You know, nobody got too caught up on 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 the moment, but everybody understands. Like we have a plan, we have a vision. So uh, our school is still everybody's still masked up, but this is about to change. We live now in June. Uh, we're dropping the masks, but to the instructors. The instructor is going to still continue masked, but uh, all of us going to be, I mean, all of our students going to be masked free. And right. that will be as close as normal as we can get. But we have a lot of safety protocols inside the school still. I believe you guys have too. We invested on, on some uh, ozone uh, and ultraviolet technology to filter our air. And uh, we also have uh, cleaning stations. And I mean, the, the, the school is being shoeless since, uh, since I remember, but now more than ever, like, you know, we don't allow people with shoes inside the school. It's just right. uh, to, to keep the school so much cleaner too. You know, like uh, in, uh, in the US, that is a big problem. I don't know how it is in UK. I don't remember it being that bad in UK, but in US, we have a big problem with staph infections. You know, uh, you no, hear not so much of an issue over here. I've, yeah. I've known one academy I've trained at in the last 20 years that's had staff, so that's not it's not a major, major that's issue. Awesome. You know, like, uh, in the uh, in the wrestling community and also in the MMA community is bad. Not so so much in jiu-jitsu, but still. And uh, man, we're we're very crazy about cleaning and what we're using on the mats. Make sure nobody catches like an any any crazy bug. You see Gordon Ryan, the guy is like in the big trouble because staff. But 
Well, I don't remember that in Brazil, you know, growing up over there. It was so funny, guys. Like, uh, it, it, I, I could really tell how the European population affected the indigenous populations around the world because the first foreigners do, who came to Brazil in the early 90s to train with us, man, they 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 bought everything, <laughs> things that we never seen before. And uh, there was this case. We, we didn't know what a ringworm was, you know. Like, uh, and it's not because we're the most hygienic in the, in the world. You know, Brazilian people, because of the weather, we have this habit to shower several times a day just because it's so humid and so hot. But uh, with the geese, man, like uh, our guys, they used to hang the geese outside in the sun and just let it get dry after training and go back with that geese. You know, and the gi was all stiff, like <laughs> on the sweat, and uh, and it was great for the first five minutes. But as soon as the, the gi was wet again, it would smell. So you had a lot of that in Brazil, and still, uh, we had no no disease, no ringworm, no staff, no nothing. You know, no no mat bugs, basically. Yeah, well, it's something I, I we're really hot on over here as well. You know, we want to. But I think it's, it's, it's as much for me, it's, uh, you, we're both ex-military, ex-Marines, so our standards are very high when it comes to hygiene. And thank you for your service, by the way, guys. Thank you. So for, for me, it's about trying to develop our members to try and achieve those standards too, just in their daily life. So, you know, you clean your gear every time after you train. You keep your nails short. You look after your training partners. You know, that yeah. type of idea, you know, just helps to develop them as people too. Oh, hundred percent. We are in that sense. We are very militarized too. You know, like uh, uh, I couldn't agree more with you. I, I believe like our contribution it extends way beyond the match to to our students. You know, so I wanted my students to be prepared to face life, to you know, to to be competitive on the job market out there, to you know, to contribute to the society. So, you know, many of these kids they. They they learn they learn things from us that the parents cannot reinforce, you know. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you. But going back to the stuff, I have a funny story to share with you guys. Like, it's not it was actually about the ringworm. So, the first the first foreigners come to Brazil and they start training with us in Grispa, and it was in the early nineties. And uh, there was uh, so we didn't know what ringworm was, and one of our friends caught a little something on his head and didn't know I kept training the hair of it's a teenager, the hair started falling off and we didn't know what was happening. So to after a few months, he had like a like a bald spot right in the middle of his head. He, he looked like one of this like like a Jesuits from the Middle Ages, you know, with that like bald spot around his head and that red thing. It was horrible. And finally one of the doctors that trained at the school say, man, you have a you you have to do a culture in your head. Something is not right over there. And sent him to to a dermatologist and then he got treated. But it was like we didn't know what was that. And he caught us out. But uh you know, it, it's one of the bad things that happened when you guys start coming. Obviously, there are many. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we we extend an apology on behalf of the, uh, of the Europeans, <laughs> on behalf of the continent yeah. of Europe. Yeah, yeah. Um, Professor, just um, we'll keep all this in, but um, 
just an official kind of welcome to the podcast. I'm T, this is Professor Mike. And um, we, we uh, kind of wanted to get in touch with you after speaking to Professor Pedro Coelho over in um, Portugal, over at Cascai. And um, he was really excited. I was messaging him today and he's excited to hear that you were coming on. Uh, I think one of the cool things to start off with, though, would just be like your your origin into martial arts, because you got into like Taekwondo, was it, when you were when you were really young? Yeah, man, I wish I had the picture over here to show you guys, like, uh, actually the picture. Nene, can you, can you keep this out of the... Out of the <laughs> that was my, my biggest PJ. But uh, uh, it's right on my, my parents' home. Like, they live, like, three miles away from here. But there is a picture of... They have a picture of my, like, when I was three... My parents first took me to martial arts. They took me to Taekwondo. You know that the main, the main developer of Taekwondo in Brazil, it was a, a Korean guy, legit martial artist. You know, a lot of people don't discredit Taekwondo nowadays because what has been done, what 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 happened with the martial arts. But man, back in the day, over 30 years ago. You know, it, it was the real deal. And it's still a lot of people, they're like legit as far as they go with their Taekwondo and traditional martial arts training. But my father was friends with him and he was friends also with the Gracie family. For some reason, he took me to him first. <laughs> uh, he, he had businesses uh, with uh, great grandmaster Carlos Sr. And with Hobson Gracie, the father of uh, Hanzo and... Um, high-end Gracie but uh afterwards I guess I was destined to find jiu-jitsu so I passed I trained taekwondo when I was little and that was a really good introduction to me to martial arts and then uh when I was nine ten I was a former military guy he was the he was the captain of the judo team in the military in Brazil and uh, he lived in the same community as us, Sensei Pedroso. And all my friends start training uh, judo. And I say, you know what? I want to do judo too. And I trained for three, four years. I loved that so much. And I thought I was a good ground fighter, you know. But, and uh, I trained a little bit of kickboxing in between my, my transition from judo to jiu-jitsu. And finally, I started training jiu-jitsu. It was um, when you got your, it was when you were doing judo, the, uh, when you got your nickname, right? Yeah, but the nickname was really solidified like uh, in Gracie Barra, man, because okay. I was small, skinny, and scrappy. So that, the, the, the nickname. The are all with you. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was, I was. <laughs> so, uh, then it became slippery. That's the translation of my nickname. I think so. Just to on that, because we've got a few, quite a lot of our members. Um, some of the guys are really quite uh, slight and small, and they, they've got a real advantage if they use that kind of the ability to scramble well, the ability to get into spaces that bigger guys can't get into. I think. What, what do you say about that, Professor? If you were like that, do you agree? Yeah, I'm. I'm five seven, so I'm. I'm not that small, but I'm a small guy in comparison to the giants over here. Guys, I don't know what they put on this milk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
attitudes, they are coming bigger and bigger and bigger. Yesterday, I was training with one of my students, Tyler. And I was like, uh, I was like training with him. He's a young lad. He's, uh, he's in university right now. He's going to be a doctor, studying to be a doctor. I say, Tyler, you are the closest thing from training with a Viking, my friend, that I ever had in my life. <laughs> We've got a Viking too, man. We've got a Viking. <laughs> Johnny, shout out to Johnny Grayson, the Viking. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but in, a, in the same token, I have a guy over here. He's been with us for as long as I can remember, since almost like maybe eight years. And uh, he's, he's, uh, he's about five feet tall, Professor Dave. Dude, he, that, that guy is the hardest guy for anybody to submit. And uh, he helped me a lot to adjust my game to the, to, to the minimum spaces and inches. He will find that and he will capitalize on that because he is stocky. But he uses his body so well. I, I call him can I call him cannonball. He's like a ball of power, you know. And uh, I seen this guy taking out like some legit three hundred pounders over here, like they're nothing, lifting them over his head, you know, dumping them down. And he's he's really tough, really incredible. So I think it goes. Uh, it, it's about like how you use your body, really. Of course, when you see a big guy like Roger or, or like uh, or, or, or like uh, like a Professor Lagarto or even uh, Professor Braulio, man, they they are big, but they also know how to use their bodies really well. But I think there is something special about the small guy that knows how to find little spaces and knows how to use its body well. Yeah, it's about working to your strengths, isn't it? It's about understanding your what you know, your strengths, your limitations, and finding finding. You know, we talk to a lot of our members who are, are new to jujitsu about developing their own jujitsu. You know, they're learning from me, they're learning from Coach T, but they will develop their own style of jujitsu that's right for them. And that, that's the beautiful thing for me that everyone's got their own jujitsu within jujitsu itself, right? Yeah, like like. The way I like my my reading of that is that uh, jujitsu is a way to express your personality. You know, I can see a lot how somebody is when I see them on the mats. You know, that persona, the way they the way they interact with others, their mat relationship with others, it's pretty much what they are on the outside world. If you look carefully, that's that's the way to express their personality. You know, there are people that are more reserved, their jiu-jitsu is more, is more reserved. You know, there are people that are more flashy. You'll see that on their jiu-jitsu too. You know, so I, I think, I think jiu-jitsu is in essence like a way to express your personality. Yeah. and. I'd like to go back to that and touch on on that maybe later on in the podcast, Professor. But there's a I'm sure there's a great story. I, I think I know a little bit about it from reading. But um, can you tell us why you wanted to switch from judo to jiu-jitsu? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> this is a good story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was uh, 
I, uh, I, I started to, you know, like when you were a kid in Brazil in the 90s, not like today has changed a lot. You know, the kids are on, in front of their iPads and playing their Fortnites in Brazil as much as they are doing in the UK and the US and every, everywhere else in the world. Everywhere I was in Japan like a, a few years ago, I went to my students' house and their kids are on Fortnite playing with my kids over here. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back in the day, growing up in Brazil, guys, it's like uh, we, we we fight all the time. We play fighting, we fight. It was fighting on the beach, fighting on the schoolyard. You know, not not in a bully way, not in a gang way like we see it. That, that is a bad connotation today. I would say it was, uh, uh, I think, uh, like uh, the way we evolved as from our primitive uh, ancestry, like we, we're trying to find our place in, in, in our packs, in our societies, you know. And I think that has that, that had to do a lot with that. You know, I, I didn't see fighting and finding who I was and interacting with others in a, such a bad way. That, that, that is part of human interaction, fighting and, and forgiving and making, and making new friends. And, you know, it was part of growing up for us. It was something natural. But um, still getting fights all the time. And some way, somehow, I always ended up on the ground. People thought I knew jiu-jitsu, but I didn't. You know, I, I knew judo. And I thought I knew jiu-jitsu too, but I didn't. <laughs> And you do the so. Uh, uh, my first girlfriend, she was an Argentinian girl. Her brother was one of my best friends, and uh, I, uh, when we broke up, little kids, right? So you break up with your first girlfriend. It's almost inevitable, you know. I admire the guys that. Did not. I have a I have a student in Sweden. He he married his first girlfriend, and I think that's pretty awesome, pretty pretty remarkable, Professor Nicholas. But with me, it wasn't like this. And uh, once uh, once we broke up, she very soon she started dating another friend of mine who was a jujitsu kid. But I had like man, any anybody who would tell me about jujitsu, I would have like. I don't want to have anything to do with that. No, 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 I don't want to jiu-jitsu. I know how to kick. I know how to punch. I know how to throw. I know grappling. It's not for me. It's not for me. I'm going to get hurt. Man, I used to surf on the same beach that Marcelo Betting, you know, the legendary Marcelo Betting, late master Marcelo Betting, used to come to surf. Every time he looked at me, you say, kid, you're built like like one of us. You gotta, man, you gotta train jujitsu. I'm gonna take you to to Barra Grace. Used to say it's the closest school over here. I'm gonna take you there. I say, no, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay. One day, one day. But I didn't want to have anything to do with that. Well, now the girl that I love is dating a jujitsu guy, and I say, you know what? I'm going to train jiu-jitsu too because I'm going to go and I'm going to become better than that guy. I'm going to beat that guy one day. And uh, I signed up for jiu-jitsu and I started training. But within six months, I look around me and I realize like, 
wait a minute. I, I, I'm not. I'm no longer here about taking revenge or going after someone. I'm, I'm over here because this is the best people I've ever met in my life. They're all genuine. They're all caring for each other. There's a sense of community, friendship, and brotherhood that I, I never, I never had that in my entire life. I, the closest thing to that was my own family. But right now, I don't have one brother. I have like 20, 30. I want to be like these guys. I want to stay. I want to be like my teachers. I want to stay here forever. And jujitsu then became part of who I was. I, I didn't. I couldn't live without that anymore. You know, if for me, if you, if, if I tell you guys that I was there just because I want to be a fighter, it wasn't so much so as I just want to be there because I, I want to be surrounded by great people, by good friends, and having people that I could trust and count on. So that's what kept me in jiu-jitsu to this day. And uh, I'm so happy and I'm so proud that a lot of my original friends that started training with me, we're still working together to this day, guys. You know, I'm very happy about that. Like how many, how many people out there, they can say they've been, you know, working together with their teens days friends you know with their high school friends i don't know many but most of them still in the picture so and the ones that are That's not cool in the picture, story yeah they for some reason they branch out or they they no longer regress but i still follow them and still admire them and obviously we don't interact as much because we are not part of the same organization anymore you know but uh i'm happy that they're still around and they're still doing that a lot of our friends that, that chose a different career too, they they regret that they chose a different career and not ours. Mm. Professor, you were you were kind of one of the pioneers for Gracie Baja in in Europe. Um, can you just tell us a bit about what that time was like for you and, and what were your experiences? Yeah, like uh, I lived in the US briefly. <laughs> I started doing like some some. Uh, exchanging student programs over here. And I started visiting this family often that uh, they became really, we became really attached and their son came to Brazil to train with me and to live with me there and start going back and forth. And then uh, for a brief period of time, I was back in Brazil. I, I got my black belt. I won the world championship. So Master Carlos starts sending me to different places to to disseminate jiu-jitsu because he believed like uh, as a small guy, as a skinny guy, I was like maybe, I, I was been between, uh, not now, now I'm a lightweight, you know, but I used to, I used to gravitate between super feather and feather. I actually, I was a feather cutting to super feather sometimes. And uh, Master Carlos said, man, I gotta send, a guy like Scorrega because he is convincible. You know, he's not the biggest guy we have over here. And if if people if people see him applying and working, people will believe in Jiu-Jitsu will believe on on us. So he started sending me around places to teach, and uh, I lived in Korea for nearly six months. When I came back from Korea, I say, man, you know what? I, I want to. I want to travel around Europe a little, perhaps even if I like, I'll, I'll, I'll move over there 
you know, they're, they're like 50 world-class black belts inside Grace Barra training with me. And I felt like my contribution to, to what he was trying to do and like the, the, all the, the effort he put on us was to, for that very, very reason, you know, for us to get out of the country and expand Jiu-Jitsu around the world. So that, that was my, my decision-making point to go and start spreading Jiu-Jitsu and, and showing people what Gracie Barra was. And I had a great experience. I, I lived in Sweden for a while, for a whole semester was there. And I worked with my students who started the Grace Barra organization in Sweden. In Stockholm, Professor, or Gothenburg? No, we're like, uh, we're on the outskirts, maybe 40, 45 minutes, maybe one hour from Gothenburg, which is the second biggest city. I've and trained at uh, Gracie Barra Gothenburg before. Yeah, oh, I've tried training cool. there, yeah. Some really good guys there. Um, I had an opportunity to move to Stockholm, but I, I, I want to be close to my guys, you know, and over there already had a, like a good training base, good training partners, good people. And uh, then we worked over there for a while. Things are expanding great. And then we started also an aggressive Bahar affiliation in Finland. And... Uh, then I started, you know, like uh, I was like a teaching a seminar every weekend. Every weekend I was in a different place. Uh, I was I was for a while working with some guys in Italy too, in Rome. You know, I had good friends over there in Rome and Milan. But uh, they didn't, at, at the time, they didn't join Grace Barra. They, they kept doing their thing and. It was a, a point that, of course, we our paths drift away, but I still admire them. And they're great people, uh, good guys. But uh, the, um, sorry, carry on. So I was just going to ask about uh, meeting Professor Salvo for the first time. I think that's a good story. But and that that was a funny story. So now I say, you know, I want to. After my stay in Sweden, I I went to the UK, applied for college and started studying there. And uh, I never asked my father for one penny to pay for my studies or anything. Like since I wasn't a European citizen, I had no free ride in school. I had to pay and which I, I no problem with that. So how am I gonna pay for my education? Well, teach <laughs> And I was working first with the uh, Trojans in uh, down in the in the south in Cheltenham, but eventually I was strictly in an, an MMA team, and I want to do more jujitsu too. I had some disagreements with the manager of the team. It's just our visions didn't align. You know, they 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 were there for one reason. I was there for something else. Some I want to fight you. My I was like seeing the guys getting better and getting one fighting opportunity after another mine would never come would never come would never come i say man so let me do my thing too you know like i'm here to teach jiu-jitsu so if i if i'm not gonna get a fight and it's been here for a year like it's time to move on to do my own thing as well so um 
then now I, we started like a little Gracie Barra affiliation in Bristol. And uh, we're working out of a leisure center to begin with. And the class was getting packed very fast. You know, like after maybe two or three months, we already had like a night packed class every single night. One day, I'm over there teaching the classes. I see a guy coming with a leather jacket, like a silver chain on his neck with like four guys behind him. He's coming in front of everyone. And he comes with an Italian accent and say, I'm looking for Carlos Lemos Jr. And I'm like, I'm Italian descent too, so <laughs> I know what that means sometimes, you know, I like, what's going on here? Who is this guy, right? Guy, he looked like somebody that came straight out of a, a mafia, Italian mafia movie, <laughs> and I was going there to, to kill me. <laughs> and uh, you say, my name is Salvatore Pace, and I like to meet Carlos Lemos Jr. I say, you're speaking to him. And I told Professor Salvo there, he was Salvo at the time, not Professor Salvo yet. And I told, I told him like, uh, why you wanna train with me? I say, well, I wanna train with you because I wanna learn Grace Barra Jiu Jitsu and I wanna learn from you. I say, where do you train? He say, man, I train with this guy, I think his first name was Alex. I, I, I forgive me, I, I, I'm missing the guy's last name, but he's far from where I live, and, and I really want to learn from you. It, for me, it's really hard to to make commitments to train with him. He lives like over two hours away from me, and I say, okay, let's see if you're serious about this. You you go there and talk to your teacher and and uh, asking if you can come and train by me. And if he says yes, tell him to give me a call and make sure he authorizes you to come by me and start training with me. If not, I'm not gonna take you. If you don't wanna do that, so then you can't be my student. You know, he looked in my eyes, shook my hand and said, tomorrow you should have his, his text. And uh, sure, soon enough, man, the guy, the guy texts me. I don't remember really if it was a text or a call. I want to say it was a text. And say, hey, professor, it's okay for for Salvo to train by you. Like, you, you, he lives close to you. And uh, he, he really wants to make this move and, and be together with you. And, you know, like, we, we did the, the old school way, the, the way I, I was taught to do it, things. And Salvo earned my respect right then, right there. And... Soon enough, we found like uh, many, we, we found many similarities about us and, you know, about our families or history together. And we, be, we became like, like most of my students that have been with me for several years, we became family. You know, he is, he, we, we are family for each other. Like uh, his kids call me, see you, Carlos, like Uncle Carlos and my kids call him Uncle Saul. So beautiful. So what, year, what year was it that you landed in the UK then, Professor? Uh, it was in 2005. Oh, okay. So there was there was a, a, a jiu-jitsu scene already in the UK then. So Professor Browley was there, Hodge was there, Mauricio. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. 
I wasn't the, definitely the first one to get to the UK, but uh, I was, I believe, one of the main pioneers in the Southwest. That was yeah, almost definitely. zero jiu-jitsu over there. Yeah. Professor, what does it mean for you to be a martial artist? It, it means like uh, duty and responsibility. You know, that's that's what it means to me. Like I, I think uh, as a martial artist, I have a, I have a great deal of uh, of uh, compromise with mankind and the society. You know, I I have high expectations of myself, and how can I serve others and contribute for a better world? It's you know, guys. The other day. Professor Romulo Bajal came to Chicago to spend some time with me and to teach a seminar in one of uh, my students' schools about an hour from here. So I got him a nice hotel in uh, in Chicago for him to stay and rest. Went for a bite to eat. We're walking on the streets of Chicago. Man, the downtown of Chicago is it's absolutely beautiful. You know, it's it's nice, it's classy, it's clean. It's like smaller version of New York, but extremely clean, beautiful, nice shops, excellent restaurants. I was walking around with him on a Friday night. Dude, I was shocked. I was what I saw on the streets, you know, and I say, this is the world outside our community you know, how bad it got. And I was very disappointed to see all of that out there, you know. What did you say? What did you say, Professor? I, what was it that disappointed you? Well, dude, I, I, I respect people's choices, you know. Like, everyone there has their own choice to do whatever they want with their lives. But uh, I saw, like, a whole family, like a father uh, lighting up a big joint of weed with with his wife and kids next to him, you know, walking like on the street with that thing, like there was nothing. You know, I saw drunk girls outside a, a bar, like a lot of drunk people and people smoking one cigarette after another outside the bars. Like you, like what we see in the UK sometimes too, when we go out. Sure. And, uh, you know, I saw arguments on the streets, you know, I saw a lot of, that translates to me to a lot of unhappiness. So I say, wow, the, the world is changing fast, you know. And uh, I, 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 going back to your questions, I, I, I believe our, our job is to empower people to give them the confidence to know what, what it's right from what it's wrong. You know, for a lot of people, it's a lack of confidence, you know, and trying to be part of something and trying to, like I tell my kids, like, look, no matter what you do with your problems, they don't disappear. They just grow. A problem is like a monster. The more you try to hide, the more the monster grows. And you have to tackle your problems head on and face them, you know, and sort them out. So when you have a problem like drugs won't, want to hide your problem away they're just going to aggravate everything alcohol won't 
definitely won't resolve your problems. It's just going to make your problems worse. So that's that's pretty much what I believe. It's our responsibility with the world and yeah. our community. We talk about um, when we spoke to Professor Victor, and I reflect on this quite a lot. But we, you know, we talk about here. You know, we we're developing people first. That's what I believe. But the tool we're using for that is jujitsu. So when I see one of our students, one of my students, um, it, it makes me more happy a lot of the time seeing them develop as people, seeing their confidence develop, their relationships develop, that it does seeing their jiu-jitsu develop. Like, you know, I love to see them do good jiu-jitsu, but actually what I really love is to see that trembling guy who came in a month ago, now standing nice and proud. And I see them walking down the street and they look different and they're more comfortable and they're saying hello to people that they would have definitely not even looked at, you know, a month ago. That to me is what um, I think we're trying to do here. I, I guess that's the same for you. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating, guys. The the legends. I'm a I'm a self-taught historian. You know, I uh, I went to law school. I didn't finish. I bailed out with one and a half semesters away from my graduation to become a lawyer. Uh, because I was getting so busy teaching and traveling and competing that I, I realized that I, I was really cheating myself and my parents. Maybe that's why I went back to school in the UK just to at least, hey, dad, here we go. I got something here for you to, to make you proud. But uh, I like in law school, you, you have to read a lot and I always love to read. I wish I had more time to read nowadays. You know, it, it takes me several months to finish a book right now just because I don't have time to read. But uh, being a self-taught historian, I, of course, I, I research about the history of Jiu-Jitsu and one way or another, whether this, the, 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 the story you're reading starts in India or starts in Japan, Jiu-Jitsu has a divine mythological source on every story. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not an art of the humans. It was an art taught by God or the gods, depending what approach you you're learning from. You know, like uh, one of the legends, it's in Japan, from a samurai from. Uh, medieval time samurai and he tells the story that he was a sword master and one day he had a dream and uh, he was already on his 60s and on this dream uh, he tried to slay an angel and this angel defeat him with his bare hands and then uh, on his dream the angel taught him how to do that. And he wakes up from this dream and starts doing the ceremonial dojo storming across Japan. And he defeats the greatest sword masters of his times just with his bare hands. And that that's the birth of Jiu-Jitsu for many people in Japan. It, it's believed like in ancient times, that's the birth of Jiu-Jitsu because that, that school was the the school where Jigoro Kano eventually earned his black belt from that 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 school style. So one way or another, when you look at jiu-jitsu, it's a divine art, and 
it makes you, it, it puzzles your mind when you're thinking like, man, every time I try to explain or to make sense out of the benefits of this to someone, nobody can understand if they don't do it. Because you say, look, you're going to enroll in something that's going to make you uh, stronger, but more flexible, but also going to give you a better cardio, but also uh, going to make you more confident. You're going to improve your mood. You're going to you know, help your social skills with others. You're going to be, uh, you're going to make great friends. You may even find a beautiful girlfriend after you do jiu-jitsu. And people say, no, this guy is a sloppy car dealer. You know, <laughs> this is, this is, doesn't sound right. It's too much. It's impossible. And then you say, well, you have an injury. Yeah, I do have an injury. Jiu-Jitsu can heal your injury. But how? <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu can heal your injury. You, 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 you can get like, you can, injuries that mean haunting you forever. You can heal with Jiu-Jitsu. People, it's they don't they don't believe you unless they do it, and then they see like wow. So I think this is a it's a gift of mankind, and that's the way Grandmaster Carlos Gracie Senior envision. Is this guy right now, man? Like uh, I think his name is Chaddy. Is this guy that it's he's a big advocate of judo on the internet. He has this this channel on the internet, on YouTube. And I, and I listen to a lot of the things they say, you know, and he's a researcher too. He's a historian, but uh, any opportunity this guy has to bash the crap out of jujitsu, he does, it. you know, any opportunity he has and to call the Gracie thugs and to tell that, you know, these are all brawlers and they have, they should be ashamed of the way they behave. This guy doesn't know the graces. This guy doesn't know our history. You know, he, he thinks he knows, you know, like people like him, they, they get some half-truths so well that they make it sound like they get half-truths and half-lies and they make everything sound like truth. But uh, that's not the history. The history was like Greek Master Carlos Gracie Sr., had a realization moment one time that he went to his neighbor's mango tree and claimed on the tree to grab a mango. And he was already like a student of Mitsui Maeda, still a kid. And then when he jumps down from the tree to eat his mango, this massive vicious dog comes to tear him apart. He was in somebody's yard and uh, he chokes this dog out. And at that moment, looking to that animal, he realized how powerful jiu-jitsu was. It saved his life right there. And he decided that from that day on, he would commit his entire life to teach jiu-jitsu to others and to empower others. And, uh, you know, these, these are not thugs, brawlers, uh, villains. These are heroes. And if we are here today, it's, it's because of their vision and what they did and the continuity of that it's Master Carlos with the, the way Jiu-Jitsu has to serve everyone. Yeah. I'll just for me, just to finish yeah. from our side, um, Professor, to me, the history of it, 
it's it's relevant, but what I would encourage anyone who's coming into jiu-jitsu to do is to listen and to be around the people that are teaching them now. So I'll just say for you, um, Professor, you come across to me, we've never met before, but you come across as a very calm, kind of humble, kind person, right? Professor Victor's the same, my instructor, my professor, very calm, very humble, very kind, very giving. These guys, you guys are killers, but you don't need to be killers. You're super kind. So I would just encourage anyone when they talk and they hear about that stuff, just see the people that are giving them jujitsu, man. You know, you won't find arrogance. You won't find brawlers. You'll find kind, humble, giving people. These guys don't need to brawl. They just know, right? 100%. You know, uh, Professor Victor is, is uh, a huge role model, even though he's a, uh, He's a little younger than me. You know, I'm uh, so inspired for what he's doing over there and for his amazing jiu-jitsu skills too. You know, I'm really inspired by him. He's a good family man, a good leader, a great teacher, you know, and an exceptional human being. Uh, so, yeah. I, I, and, but again, you know, the best... Like the way to know how, how this has contributed into our lives is like, think of, uh, think of all the challenges we all have and all the wars each one of us are fighting every day. Think of that without Jiu-Jitsu. Think of you without Jiu-Jitsu. Think of uh, your, how would you be interacting with uh, 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 your close relatives without Jiu-Jitsu? What would be your relationship with them? How would you be dealing with stress? How would you be dealing with with the trivialities of life, with the challenges of life, you know, and that's that's a good, it's a good starting point for us to learn how to appreciate how much this art has changed us all. For sure, Professor. I know you got to run off, um, but I was sneaking these two real quick. Um, just so we spoke to Professor Victor, who sent us to Professor Sebastian Garnier who sent us to Professor Pedro Coelho, who sent us to you. <laughs> I was wondering if you want to send us to anyone in the Gracie Baja community to speak to. It doesn't have to be well-known, but it can be. That's completely up to you and that you think we should speak to. And also just when are you going to be in the UK next? I heard you're going to be here soon, right? Yeah, uh, I'm trying to coordinate right now a, a trip to the UK uh, from the 19th to, the, to August 2nd. This time, I want to bring Akimi and Kenzo with me. That would be their first uh, international trip to Europe. They've been in other places with me, but that would be their first trip to Europe, like with their geese on their backs. They, they went when they were babies. So now the kids, they, they understand. And, you know, my daughter has been helping me with classes and she understands the, the importance of what I do and she wants to be part of it. So I want to bring my my kids to play some football with Salvas's kids. So we'll put an end on the endless debate: who are better, the Brazilians or the Italians? I mean, not the English, not the English, definitely not the English. My son, like he he asked me, Dad, uh, do you know the Arsenal? Yes. Do you know Manchester United? Yes. 
you know, Liverpool. Have you been in Liverpool? That <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, how about Chelsea? Yes, I know. <laughs> like, so uh, I think my son loves British football. You know, he he really does. And maybe if, I don't know how our schedule going to be like, but if there will be a game, I don't will you be will you be teaching seminars when you're on your visits, or is it purely a family visit? No, I will be teaching a few. When I have the trip confirmed, though, it will be on my social media. It's like I'll, I'll open some spots for some seminars. But uh, for sure, I have like uh, one at the main school in Bath with Professor Salvo. And I may have a few others. Uh, well, if, you have, if you do have the time, you know, we'd, we'd love to host you here. Absolutely. I mean, we'll just say that now. And yeah. We'll host you if you have the time, 100%. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll post on my social media once the the trip is confirmed. I'm trying to work to to get the kids over. You know, like for for me, like my main priority is to make sure they come. So we'll see if if nothing changes. Like we should, I sh you guys should learn from me sometime. Like maybe in a week or so, it, it will be out there. Um, who I would recommend? Man, there's so many great guys for you guys to to learn from. You know. Uh, I would say for sure, Professor Salvo is one of the main leaders in the UK. I think like, he has great stories and, you know, is a very charismatic guy, you know. Uh, I have, I have a, I don't know. I think that, that on top of my mind, if you guys could work the time out, I would say, uh, Interview some of the guys in Japan, either Professor Naoto Kigawa, who is the head of Grace Bar in Japan, or Professor Ryo Aminami. You know, they 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 know like 100 years ago, maybe 110 years ago, we were learning from the Japanese, and these two, they're the first generation of Japanese people to learn from us Brazilians. They're both my students. They both learn from me as well. And of course, they're black belts of, under Master Carlos, but... I, I was uh, I was one of one of the main teachers of both of them, and I think they they'll put up a good interview for you guys. One of, one of them too, or maybe them both. Oh, it's, really it's cool. to hear like the the like their story on how jiu-jitsu was resurrected in Japan. It's very interesting. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely do that for sure. Um, thank you so much for your time, Professor. Um, hopefully, we'll see you soon. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do this again, guys, with more time. I, I really enjoy talking to you. Yeah, it'd be great to hear about your competition experiences and all that kind of stuff. So well, let's definitely do it again. Yeah. Well, Thank you, Professor. Take care. Have a good class today. Take care, guys. Thank you. Bye.